I like to do uh, many things as they call jack of all trades, master of none. I try to be a master of a few things and jack of a few things because life shouldn't be stuck to one particular thing. Life is to explore and to learn new things. And that's the philosophy that I follow. Hello, beautiful people. You're listening to episode 43 of the Photo Country podcast with yours truly, Rajiv. I caught up with Karthik Chaudhary, the creative mind behind Inkscape Media, for this episode. I first met Karthik as a filmmaker when I was working with an advertising agency in Goa, India. He was part of a production house in Mumbai. For some reason, our wavelength synced up and we have been creative collaborators ever since. One of the reasons probably is that we are both big-time comic book fans since childhood. Anyways, I have been after Karthik to get him on the podcast and finally he relented. The reason I wanted to talk to him is that he started out as a photographer before making the transition to become a filmmaker in the Hindi film industry. So that's a perspective that I wanted to explore. So here we go. Basically, my career journey started working with ESPN long ago, where I was a sports journalist and I'd interviewed sports stars, including Vaseem Akram, a uh, lot of hockey players in our team, a uh, lot of tennis stars, Leander Pace. I did it for about a year and that, that was the time when Facebook had become, started becoming popular and I, would all, and I was back in Delhi and I would always see pictures on Facebook of my friends who were doing art and who were doing theater and who were doing photography and I would always be like, do I really want to be a journalist? So, and I started realizing there were some stories when you had to really chase the sports people, even when they are busy, but then you have a deadline. So you are calling them again and again, and they are getting annoyed. And I'm like, we are just trying to annoy people who know what they are doing. And that was not for me. So, you know, that was not organically coming to me. I personally feel that in every creative person's life, there is an aha moment when a light bulb goes off in your brain your eyes fly wide open and you realize that holy shit this is something that I can do really well and this is something that I can do for the rest of my life for Karthik it happened during his journalism course when he had his first run-in with the camera what happened is during my graduation which was mass communication we had a brief course about photography and that was the time when I had sort of learned a little bit about it. Very classroom teaching stuff. Got introduced to some nice photographers, Ansel Adams, uh, Ragurai. And I really, first, for the first time, I sort of started realizing, yes, that yes, photography in itself is, a, is an art form. It's a storytelling medium. So what there was a college project actually where we had to do a photo essay. And that was the time and probably mine was the last generation to saw film transitioning onto digital. I mean, film was in the dying stages that time in the sense that we actually did that photo essay project on a film camera. And that was the first time I had sort of realized, I mean, we have all seen cameras in our houses for family gatherings and stuff. But first time this, this was a Vivitar film camera. I don't remember the exact name, but it had way more settings than I'd all like had seen in the in the camera that we had at home i was like what is this and i saw through the viewfinder and there was a, a plus sign in red and a minus sign in green and it basically showed you if the light that is coming is correct i was like wow you can actually control the light that is coming through the uh, viewfinder in the camera and then i started exploring more 
then we did that photo essay the story got over then i got busy with other things it it just remained somewhere in the memory that i, I know a little bit about photography and i've learned about it what i'd also done is during even my journalism days i would go online and look at pictures and look at good photographers work so i i developed an at least an eye to appreciate good photography so after espn so that that had happened and then during espn i had realized that this is not for me i had give i put in my papers i was pretty young very risk averse so that was not a problem as such and then i asked my father to sort of buy a camera the, that the first camera that i bought was nikon d60 and i just started going out with couple of my friends and we started doing some street photography in old delhi and all and as i explored it more i realized that yeah i have a keen eye for it i have always believed that photographers are one frame away from becoming filmmakers as photographers we are always capturing moments in life and putting them in a narrative sequence to tell a story that is not far from converting them into 24 frames per second so this is exactly what karthik did for him there was always this drive to explore what else i can do to expand my creativity and that led him to filmmaking as i told you i had an interest in theater i had an interest in movies so it was always there it was never there was never a definite point that i was like okay this is photography and this is now i'm going to leave it and move into cinematography because i was always interested in films and writing and stuff like that it was always going side by side and also i had realized by then that the things the skills that you learn from photography they are equally applicable and you also learn a lot of other because you it's like in a way there is a thin line between photography and the filmmaking because you are still creating visuals you are still telling the story so the basic principles are the same i think the like the decision where i thought okay let me take from photography and completely move into filmmaking was happening when i was assisting with this photographer and i was i started thinking that okay this even though this is great life you go into an air condition studio and you shoot and you make a lot of money and you get to hang out with really cool people i was young i had a lot in me lot of energy in me so i thought let let me not get stuck with it let me learn some more and then maybe in another few years i can take a call what i want professionally so probably back in 2011 through this photographer friend of mine konal whom i was assisting i'm really thankful uh, to him actually for a lot of things he introduced me to a filmmaker his name was praval raman and he praval spoke to me and we uh, clicked then we became good friends and he then praval told me that you have a good writing sense and maybe you should you know working with me on one of the films that i'm doing and i mean i was waiting for that thing it's not it didn't come up, come as a surprise because i was always interested in learning some more and going to a film set learning the crafts of filmmaking so he invited me and obviously then i sort of said yes and i started working with him on a film and what happens is when you're working on a film it totally consumes you there was no time for anything else but yeah during that time also me knowing how to shoot on a dslr did help me a lot because i was doing a lot of bts pictures on the movie i also did some publicity stills for the film and i mean after i that that movie sort of finished then i was like okay this is what i enjoy more and let me probably now try and make my own film so when yeah so that i sort of started writing and gave my like full spirit was consumed by my own film so then i went into that so yeah so that was so again coming back to 
journey from photography to cinematography, I'll say that they both run simultaneously. There are a lot of cinematographers who are also photographers. There are a lot of photographers who are also cinematographers because basic principles remain the same. Okay, let's stop here and ask the question. Why did you become a director and not a cinematographer? Because I always wondered this essential question. When I started on my journey as a creator, I tried a lot to shoot videos. You know, I, I was trying to follow the heroes that I looked up to, but it never worked for me. My happy place was always shooting still images and never the moving picture. Let's see what Karthik has to say to that. If you ask me, if you would have asked me even like when I was in school or even when I was in college, I would have, would have told you that I want to be a writer director. And that's what I want to, that, that is what I want to do. But what happens is through the journey, you have to do a lot of things. You have to learn a lot of things. And now also, now that I've directed my first film and, you know, I've directed many ads, you have been a part of some of those projects. That's how for people who are watching, I mean, that's how we and Rajiv met. And, you know, I used to be a director and Rajiv used to work for an agency and he was my client and he would used to visit uh, our shoots when we were doing it in Bombay. I couldn't have become a director if I didn't know photography, you know, and I really think that every director should know as much as possible about photography and cinematography and about how camera works. It's not just helpful. I think it's essential for our director to know. So it was, let's just say it was one of the skills that I thought I need to acquire before I make my film. Hey there, photography enthusiasts. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Karthik Chaudhary so far. Photo Country is a passion project of mine. Please do leave a review on Apple, Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Or you can do one more thing. You can buy me a coffee. That's right. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash photo country and show your support. Thank you so much for your support. Now back to the conversation. Since you're talking about filmmaking, as a photographer, I know like the different focal lengths, right? Like a 135 and an 85 how the compression makes a difference in the images that you make using a 50mm for street photography versus using a 135mm for a portrait and how yeah. flattering it is for the human face. How does that transform filmmaking? So let me say this. There are two ways to look at it. There are two schools there. One school is which I believe in. It's cinematography is everything to a story. Okay, the focal lengths and the lens that you are using for a particular scene versus using another lens will completely change the emotion of the scene, will completely change the scene. Cinematography is, I mean, depending on what kind of mood you are trying to set in that scene. Based on that, you will choose a lens, a particular lens. So suppose if you put a wide angle lens and you bring that closer to the subject and that subject delivers a line to the camera versus you are far away from the subject and you use a telephoto lens and you use the same frame, they will completely have different emotion. When you use a wide angle lens and bring it closer to the subject, the, the, there will be a slight distortion in the image. Based on the mood, you can use it to create humor or you can use it to make that character look more sinister because that distortion that it creates on the face does help the mood. Whereas if you are far away from the subject and you are telephoto and you are closer, it, it will give you a more flattish kind of emotion from that, that, that person. So, I mean, so like that's one example. Now, again, you putting the camera low 
on a character versus putting it on eye level, that also completely changes the emotion or putting it slightly topish on the character that completely changes the emotion. Now that goes in photography as well. And as well as it works on the films as well. When you put the camera low, it makes the character look larger than life. So if you have to, when so you'll usually see whenever there's an entry of a star in the film, they would usually be like a low angle camera because the character looks bigger in posture. And But when it's on like on, on the eye level, it sort of gets you right in character's uh, mind and you can relate more to the character then. So, I mean, like these are the things by which you use different lensing and camera position to create emotion and build the mood of the uh, of the scene. The other school is there are some directors who would say that, okay, it's not that important. That can work based on what kind of a film you are making. There are some directors that it's like it's, it's just the actor's emotion and performance impacts the scene. But I go more with the one where cinematography plays a big role because, I mean, so the other school, they are more probably uh, more traditional and they are more from that theater kind of a school where actors are creating that magic on the stage. It doesn't matter where the camera is. But now I think we learned, we have learned so much about cinema. Cinema has come a long way. So the, the art form, I think, demands that we need to use cinematography as a tool to enhance the story or to tell the story. So, so like, for example, I, this is a recent movie that I saw, forget the name, where the camera is kind of locked in position mm. and there's no movement. You feel like you're peeping into the people's lives because it's like a window into that action that's mm. happening, right? So I, I guess it's, it's how you use it. Absolutely. The film is Nanpagal Nerathu Mayakam, starring Mammutti. The title roughly translates to A Midday Slumber. It's an Indian Malayalam Tamil bilingual film directed by Lijo Jos Pelisiri. It's an amazing film and you guys should watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. How did you learn all this? Were there any influences in your life that you learned from other master filmmakers or was it important to assist other people in the craft where you picked up these so obviously there were influences right from childhood in India, we grew up watching films, but there were certain kind of films that always stood out. And you know, those were the films and that were not very popular. So there was always argument in my mind that am I different? Like, why don't people like these kind of films? It's only later I realized that, okay, there even these films have a huge fan following. It's just that we were not exposed to those people during while we were growing up. What I meant is there was an entire commercial Bollywood films that, you know, Everyone enjoyed. But there was once a while there would be a film that you will see and you will suddenly realize, okay, oh, okay, these kind of films are also there and are also made. I mean, I used to love writing stories, stuff like that during my childhood as well. So, and so then when you watch these kind of films, you are like, okay, so, you know, there is a sensibility in the world which we might connect with the stories that you are writing. So now I'm talking about films like Ard Satya, films when Siruddin Shah was there, Rom Puri was there, Mirch Masala, Jane Vido Yaro. These were the films that, I mean, that were com very different from a mainstream Hindi film. I mean, they were so much better than these films and it was so realistic and people were talking like human beings and not like some character which is not, which who does not exist in, in our world. Obviously, so there was an inclination towards those films and obviously later when Torrents came and we we had that option of watching whichever film we which we want so then obviously few films that i remember one was requiem for a dream by darren aronofsky 
when I saw that my mind was blown and I was like, wow, there could be a film like this and somebody can make it and there could be big actors in those films and those films could be a Hollywood blockbusters, but still they would have that edginess and that blend of filmmaking. So it was mostly my own research. Like I saw Requiem for a Dream and thanks to the internet, I could go and Google who's this director and then I would read up about him and okay, he was in a film school and he made this film and okay, before this he had made three, four films. So yeah, so obviously Darren Aronofsky was somebody that inspired a lot in the sense that okay, you can think different and make films. Then there was obviously Fight Club when we saw David Fincher so that also blew your mind. I mean, a lot of these filmmakers, Stanley Kubrick, obviously what I'm talking about is this was 10, 12 years ago when you are young and when these, when you read about these people and you're like, okay, I also want to be like them. So these were the people at least who pushed me to let's follow your passion, you know, do something. There is a scope of telling deep stories, making films which are which means something to people, you know, not just some futile three-hour entertainment, which people forget. So, yeah, so that time it was these three names that I said. Then in Hindi, obviously, it was Anurag Kashyap's era and he was coming up and he was this guy who everyone was talking about him and there's this writer, he has written Satya and he's made this film Paanch. So he was like, you know, he was always popular amongst the independent film circuit. So... Obviously, you know, when you saw No Smoking, you were like, oh, shit, you know, it can also happen in indie films. So, yeah, so these were some of the people when you are growing up. Then the Vakar Banerjee, obviously, Oye Lucky Lucky, Oye and Ghosla Ga Ghosla, they were, I mean, you know, th those were the films that actually stuck with me. And I was happy that there are people with independent voices who are telling their own stories rather than, you know, doing a manufacturing job in a factory. So yeah, so these were some of the people while growing up. Now, where I was coming from, obviously now when you start working in the industry, you realize that, okay, things are slightly different. It's not as easy as it looked. Stanley Kubrick might have been your hero, but I mean, he's coming from a different culture, different kind of family setup. There is a limitation of this industry. There is a limitation that you have coming from where you are coming without any family background. So you have to work within this structure and within this system. And within that, you will slowly probably find your voice at some point. So I'm still trying to find that voice. So the changing media landscape with many OTT opportunities opening up, has that opened up space for filmmakers like you for making films with your sensibilities in mind? I'll say yes, it has become more open for the industry and there is a space for newer filmmakers and newer voices and newer stories to come out uh, and to actually see the light of the day because initially it was tough competition and it was very, very difficult. Now, obviously, there is a there is more space for every kind of story. Having said that, what kind of films I want to make, I definitely know what are the kind of films I don't want to make. So that is one. What I want to make is it has to be like even if one person can sort of there is something that can change in him. I'm not saying I want to make films that revolutionize or that changes people. But I do feel that films have that power of at least for people who are watching it to question their point of view. So any film that help, that, that even if that that sort of pushes you to debate your own point of view about certain things or the films which helps you helps your point of view to even take a stronger shape are good any film that can incite a reaction is good 
So the films that I want to make, it has to have that kind of a reaction towards certain kind of point of view. I just don't want to make a film for entertainment. I have nothing against it. Films have to be, they, they have to be entertaining. Even the films that I want to make have to be entertaining. But there has to be something more than that. Only because I feel that it's a, it's a power that films have. And when you are making a film, you have the responsibility to sort of use that power with some kind of a responsibility. Yeah, so they need to have some depth, some subtext, some in between the lines, only because the visuals have the power to change people's mind. I'm not saying that it has to create a drastic change or an impact in society, but when people watch it, it has to incite some reaction. So that's some that is something I'm very sure about. Also, what I have learned and I've realized it, if you want to be a unique voice, the stories have to be personal. Like, I mean, personal does not mean that it has to be a life story, but it has to stem from something that in which you have a deep belief in or a strong belief in. So you can create fictional characters, you can create a fictional world, but somewhere there has to be a part of you in the film. Otherwise, it becomes very inorganic. There are some films that everything is done right, but you still don't connect with it. I think that is the reason when you try to artificially do something which is not very personal to you. So yeah, so it has to be personal anyway, I think, for a film to work. Two last questions. The first you know, what's happening in the US, Hollywood, and the actors mm-hmm. and the writers strike, right? Uh, one of the issues that's on their table is the influence of mm-hmm. artificial intelligence and the various mm-hmm. apps that have come up, you know, your mid-journey and so many generative mm-hmm. AIs that have come in. How is it going to affect filmmaking? That's one question that I have. And final question, looking back, would you still have gotten into filmmaking? I use AI. I am a great supporter of any kind of innovation that sort of pushes the boundaries a little bit so ai will change the filmmaking a lot first it will replace the boring jobs so you know let's get that straight it's not easy for ai yet to sort of write you a screenplay that a writer's room of four human beings can write it will change the filmmaking it will going to take over the boring jobs for example scheduling of a film So you put a script onto the AI system and it will create a schedule for you. Rather than one, two, three persons going through the script, manually breaking them down, thinking, okay, which is a job maybe a human mind should not be doing. You know, human mind should be doing more creative stuff. So it will change filmmaking. It will make things very, very efficient. But as far as, I mean, whether it will take away writer's jobs or whether it will take away director's job, I think it has a long way to go. Because ultimately a human being will have to make, whether to make a certain film or not make a certain film, whether to shoot that kind of scene or not, cast a certain kind of character, actor in a film or not. I still think that humans will have uh, an upper hand in those decisions. It can help you take a lot of decisions. Okay, so like I am writing one script right now and I do use, I do sit with chat GPT and wrestle with it. So it's not as easy as, you know, it's using AI is not as easy as people claim it is. So like you can't just tell ChatGPT, okay, write me a screenplay of a Bollywood film. I mean, no, this is not going to work. It'll give you some shitty ideas. What it can do is what it is good at is like when I'm brainstorming, when I'm thinking about a particular scene, I do, I can discuss with it about it. I can ask him to, okay, in this situation, if a character is in this situation, tell me five scenarios that will make the scene more interesting. It will give you five options. You might like any, you might not like any. It might open up something in your mind and you're like, okay, this is interesting. 
so it's in a way what it's doing is it's become a writing assistant so you know this is what probably a writer will do with the two of his assistants and he will use them as a bouncing board to sort of throw an idea at them and they'll get back to you so it 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 will change filmmaking it will take over some jobs but it will take boring jobs and and also one thing i do realize is that arts is probably the last industry that ai will replace there is a lot of work that ai has to do in lot of other industries before it sort of touches art because ultimately if an ai would have made oppenheimer say it wouldn't have been that interesting what makes it unique is that there is a person called christopher nolan who's making it whose history we know whose films we have seen you you whom we know that very interesting fact i don't know if you know which i just recently learned about that okay christopher nolan has a brother called jonathan nolan who everyone knows who's written most of his movies and dark knight rises dark knight is written by jonathan nolan he's also the creator of westworld but he also has a third brother which i didn't know about he's somebody who's murdered some people who's committed homicide and he's hiding somewhere and there is there was an interesting fact when this guy the third brother of christopher nolan when the police was trying to catch him they had called that operation operation oppenheimer first i thought that it's it, it seems too un- like too good to be true this story and i thought maybe it's just some whatsapp forward but it's not actually it is true so that and when you watch oppenheimer and i mean no spoilers there but you'll see that there is that personal touch in the film and the reason why he must have taken that decision to tell this story has to have a personal uh, you know something what i was coming to is that art is always interesting because there is a human being who has done it salvador dali has made a painting is more interesting than okay and a mid journey has so yeah so i think it will change a lot of things but it will just change for the good and to make it more efficient now second question whether i would still become a come into filmmaking yes i will absolutely yes i just wish i knew a little bit more because you end up wasting a lot of years and time in just building a network and trying to hone that skills and you know just to find your legs in the city like bombay takes up a lot of time and energy and you end up doing a lot of work which you shouldn't be doing so it's a bit it was a bit inefficient i'll say so yeah so i if i can go back with the current knowledge i would definitely do things differently and i would be more efficient with that let end this conversation thanks a lot kartik for joining me on photo country thanks a lot rajiv for inviting me again i hope this conversation will give something to some people and yeah let's do many more of this in the coming weeks that was kartik choudhury creative director in scape media thanks kartik for your time it was a blast to chat with you on photography and filmmaking It was great to listen to your journey so far. Thanks for sharing it with us. Coming up in our next episode, we feature a conversation with Tatiana Harper, a natural light photographer based in Auckland. So, growing up in the 80s, I basically was born into photography because my dad was taking so many photos of me and my brother growing up. Cuz I always used to process the photos with my dad in the dark room cuz he would be like sitting in the dark room doing all the processing and I was very curious child I was like what is this? I want to see I want to see this magic of how the photos appear on the paper and uh, so I've been given the first camera which I have with me so it's a very old school it's film black and white lomo this is my first camera I still have it um I was uh, 11 uh, all the about like I remember it was just kind of like officially was given the camera then so I can take my own photos 
And then I started processing them with my, first with my dad's help and then just kind of got a hang of but myself over the dark room. And so I really loved the photography. It's something that I always enjoyed. So it's, yeah, so that was kind of where I started in terms of photography. So stay tuned for more captivating conversations on photography on Photo Country, the podcast on photography. Till then, stay safe and keep clicking. This is Rajiv signing off.